stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. So as you're all well aware, Calgary voted no last night, no to hosting the 2026 Winter Olympics. Uh, we may be aware is that Calgary is not the first city to say no to the Olympics in a plebiscite. In fact, it is a growing list of cities. Uh, you had Sion, Switzerland uh, earlier this year. Vote no. They were originally uh, in the running for the 2026 Winter Olympics. So too was Innsbruck, uh, Innsbruck Austria. Uh, they voted no in a plebiscite last year. Graz in Austria was set to vote in a plebiscite. Uh, the bid was abandoned before that vote could be held. Previously, back in 2015, Hamburg, Germany voted against going after the 2024 Summer Olympics. Boston almost got to a plebiscite uh, on the same Olympics. That vote was abandoned. Uh, Poland, Krakow voted uh, against going after the 2022 Winter Olympics. Munich, Germany, Davos, Switzerland, same thing. Uh, so it's got to be worrying for the IOC that so many oppor- when cities get the opportunity, so many of them are saying no to the Olympics. And certainly the other two remaining bids for 2026 are on shaky ground. Well, joining us for his thoughts on the significance of this vote last night in the grand scheme of things is Christopher Dempsey. He is currently director of transportation for Massachusetts, founder and former co-chair of No Boston Olympics and co-author of the book, No Boston Olympics, How and Why Smart Cities Are Passing on the Torch. Chris, great to have you with us here today. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Rob. Always great to speak with you. So here we have yet another, in my opinion, smart city that has passed on the torch. What do you make of it? I think that Calgarians should be waking up today and breathing a sigh of relief that they're now in a position to set their own priorities for what the future of Calgary needs to be and not have those priorities set by the International Olympic Committee and the requirements of its three-week event. And as you listed, there are democracies around the world that are realizing that hosting the games is not worth all of those costs and all of those risks that come with hosting. In fact, for the 2022 games, every single democracy dropped out of the process. And the only countries that were left were China and Kazakhstan, two totalitarian governments that don't have any democratic processes. And I think Calgary and Canada, more broadly, would much rather be on that democracy list than be on a list with China and Kazakhstan. Yeah, definitely. I I think, you know, the perception of the IOC has has changed a lot since Calgary hosted uh, the Olympics 30 years ago. Obviously, the Olympics themselves have changed in a lot of ways. Um, You know, there there was a a divide here, a difference of opinion on, you know, whether to to reject the IOC, whether the IOC needs a, a true crisis to prompt change, or the idea that by hosting, we could somehow steer the IOC in the right direction. What does the IOC need in your view? You know, for years now, the IOC has said that they're reformed and that they're different and they no longer are accepting bribes or no longer accepting extravagant bids. But when you dig in on the actual changes that they've made, you see that it's mostly just window dressing. Fundamentally, the International Olympic Committee is conducting an auction. And as any good auctioneer would, they're trying to get as many bidding cities as possible into the room and then bidding up that price as high as they can to get the best bid for the interest of the IOC. Until we see fundamental change and reform in that incentive structure, until we see the IOC agreeing to share some of the risk 
instead of asking host taxpayers to cover all that risk. I think you're going to continue to see smart cities like Calgary say this is just not in our interest and we have other more important priorities to focus on. Well, it's going to be interesting now because the IOC has only two remaining bids. Now, they are in in democratic countries. Uh, However, you've got a municipal government in Stockholm that has said we're not putting any public funds into a bid. You've got a federal government in Italy saying we're not going to put any funds into a bid. Where, Where does that leave the IOC at this point? I think they are getting increasingly desperate, uh, and I wish that that desperation would cause them to really question the fundamental process and rather than just trying to you know, re- cling on and, and retain what they have. But I think we'll have to watch over the coming months. As you pointed out, the bid in Stockholm is what you might call a vaporware bid. It's supported by the Swedish Olympic Committee, but not a single part of government in, in Sweden has said that it supports the bid, that it's willing to put in public funds or provide a guarantee. So at the moment, it's just a bunch of folks in the Swedish Olympic headquarters moving ahead with their bid, and we'll see what happens. In Italy, it's a little bit more complicated because the regional governments have said that they're interested in bidding, but there's already been tension between the different parts of that regional government about where events will be hosted and who exactly will be named the official central host or whether they can really share that glory and that honor. And so uh, we don't know how that will play out. In the past, the last two times that Italy has put forward an Olympic bid, the city has dropped out because the government has changed or the political support has dropped. And so you might see exactly the same thing. And you might see, you know, no bids for the winter 2026 Olympics. You might see the IOC sort of desperately searching for some city to, to take it off their hands. That's exactly what happened in the 70s when Denver, Colorado won the IOC's bidding process, started racking up the cost and the cost overruns, realized that they didn't want to host it anymore, gave it back to the IOC, and the IOC had to give it to Innsbruck, Austria. Do you think they have a plan B at this point? You know, it's really hard to know. They're a pretty secretive organization, and they always put on a smiling face and say that they're more than happy and more than content with the bids that they have. But you got to think that quietly they're probably starting to think, what can our plan B be? And is there a city that might be willing to host, even though it's not part of the process already? I think what that exposes, of course, is that, you know, this is not about being a a race or a competition to see which is the best city. This is an auction. And as long as the IOC has a bunch of bidders, they have all the power. When they don't have those bidders in the room, then the power dynamic flips. But if you're a city that's considering the games, and I think Calgary, again, should feel very good about the decision it made last night, the best way to win this game is to not play at all, not to get involved with the IOC, not to get involved in the auction process, because you're going to end up paying a lot more and getting a lot less benefit than you thought you might. Yeah. Uh, look, and I said this earlier, I mean, I, I, whether people voted yes or no, I think people went out and cast ballots because they care about the future of this city, and it was a, a difference of opinion on, on what is best for Calgary. Look, you're a big believer in cities, obviously, or you're a big believer in, in the city of Boston and, and the potential that city has. You probably heard it in Boston when, when the bid collapsed there that, you know, what now? This would have been great for the city, that that kind of feeling of despair or maybe that, you know, we're, we're not a can-do city anymore. That's certainly some of the, the comment that we've heard here. You know, I mean, how, how do we approach that question in terms of what makes a, a vibrant and competitive city and whether these mega events really fit into that at all? 
Yeah, look, I think cities that pursue mega events are going to end up being very disappointed and not have the the goals achieved that they're hoping when they enter that process. Look, I think what makes a great city and a great region are the people that live there, the things that they do each and every day, whether that's working in the oil and gas industry, whether that's teaching in school, whether that's working in a hospital, whether it's playing sports. Uh, and that's what makes a place like Boston great. It's what a place makes a place like Calgary great. It's the people that live there. And thankfully for Calgarians, you have that opportunity ahead of you. You can now make the decisions for yourself. You know, I'm certainly not the expert on Calgary. It's not for a Bostonian yeah. to decide, you know, what, what you should have in your future. But I do know that you just recently opened a beautiful library that people literally around the world are talking about as a as a civic jewel and something that, I think everyone in your city should be proud of. Um, and, and look, that's something that's going to serve the public in Calgary for one, two, three, four, five generations, maybe more. Um, so looking to things that really serve the people, the taxpayers and the voters, rather than serve the interests of the IOC, that's the opportunity that you now have ahead of you. Yeah, and Boston didn't just throw up its hands and say, oh, we're doomed, the Olympics aren't coming, what are we going to do now? Right. It's about rolling up your sleeves and figuring, you know, what, what does this city need? How do we make this a, a better place to live and do business? And I think anyone in Boston will tell you that we have the most vibrant economy we've ever had. We are growing leaps and bounds. And that growth comes with some costs and it comes with some tension and uh, doesn't mean we have we don't have problems. We, we have a lot of things to fix. But there are very few people that are looking back and saying, man, we wish we had the Olympics coming because nothing ever happens here or we're boring or we're not exciting or we're not growing enough. Um, I know the situation in Calgary is a little different. Sure. Um, yeah. and, and that, you know, you're facing some downtown vacancy rates that are higher than you'd like and you're grappling with those problems. But again, a three-week event was never going to solve those problems. What is going to solve those problems is exactly what you say. Rolling up your sleeves, dealing with reality as it comes to you, and saying, let's make decisions based on the best interests of the people that live here. Yeah, well said. Uh, well, Chris, really appreciate the insights, and uh, thanks for making yourself uh, available to us through this uh, interesting debate we've been having, and I'm sure other cities will be having it in the future. I look forward to talking again. Thanks for making some time for us here today. Thank you, Rob. Always a pleasure. All the best. Uh, that is Christopher Dempsey, uh, currently uh, the director of the group Transportation for Massachusetts, uh, was the founder and co-chair of No Boston Olympics. And uh, co-authored the book, No Boston Olympics, How and Why Smart Cities Are Passing on the Torch. So I don't know if anybody went into the ballot box yesterday thinking uh, about uh, all the other referendums and plebiscites in other cities. Probably very few. But it is a, a, an interesting and revealing trend uh, that cities, when given the opportunity, are taking a pass. So Calgary is not the first, and uh, I don't think it'll be the last. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.